Welcome to Prim and Proper. I'm Elizabeth Hathaway. And I'm Marinella Mazzucato. Uh, Marinella, it is March 16th as we record, so we're halfway through Women's History Month. How's your month going? It's going great. I mean, it's revolving around me, which is perfect. How about you? How's your month? <laughs> That's a, that is ideal. Yeah, it's been going pretty good as well. Uh, so can I tell you, it's not related to the topic we're going to discuss today, but something that I read recently in the news about women in the military in Ukraine, and I thought it was just an interesting piece. Oh, yeah. Can I share it with you? You can. Sorry, tell I should me, have. Please. I should have not uh, asked if you could read my mind. It seems like <laughs> like a rhetorical question. Like, can I tell you, like, about the shit that happened to me today? And you just go into it. That's what I thought it was happening. <laughs> but no, I'm really asking. So if you could respond with a yes or a no, <laughs> um, I would give you permission to continue with that bit of the topic. Yes. Uh, so I was reading about how the. Ukrainian army 10% are women and that was only after 2016 so prior to 2016 women were not allowed in their military and when there was some previous uh, I believe referring to when Crimea was annexed uh, actually no it was that was in 2008 it was some separatist Russian separatist groups that went into like eastern areas of Ukraine and women fought like they weren't officially in the military but they fought they served as medics and they weren't recognized with any military honors because women could not be part of the military there and so in 2016 they like fought for their right to be part of the military and now they make up 10 percent of the Ukrainian military which I think is the largest percentage of women in any military in the world I believe it, because that seems like a pretty high number. Yeah. Either way, I was like, man. So I feel like this march should be dedicated to the women of Ukraine with every badass thing that they've been doing. Yeah, especially with what they're going through right now. And I know. I second that. Horrible. And for a third week in a row, I've got no natural segue (laughs) to our lighthearted discussion today. But we're talking about our favorite (laughs) women athletes. Yes, we are. A different kind of battlefield, if you will. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can kick it off with um, when I discovered, like, a female athlete actually existed. Take me back to that day. Yeah, like, so my my dad was, like, a big take you to every type of sports game. My brother was, like, heavily involved in every sport, and for some reason – I wanted to play basketball because I'd been playing just like in the driveway with my brother just for fun and I wanted to join a league but the town that I grew up in Connecticut I grew up in in Connecticut did not have a basketball league for Mm. girls not Mm. at least not the free kind that like we could afford like no parks and rec um and so I joined a team with all with all boys and I played on the same team with my brother which probably was embarrassing for him because I did really well on the team and a lot of times he sat on the bench and I played really well and um finally in another team there was another girl on the on another team that was we were playing against each other we were the only two girls in the league and she told me about college basketball and the fact that there was a women's college basketball team the Yukon Huskies and like every player on that team was like my hero 
I and you yeah I forgot you grew up little kid in Connecticut and they are still pretty much the most dominant NCAA women's basketball team I mean I think there's some others that are top tier but they're like always top tier yeah usually Tennessee does really well but like the era of the like Gino Ariema's like team especially like in the 90s the players on that team was like Rebecca Lobo uh Jennifer Rosati who was like short she was like five six who was the other one Naisha Sales and these are all women who like went on to play in the WNBA went on into coaching went on into like running teams and it's it's just so crazy because it's so like undersold I guess to go from college basketball to the WNBA mm-hmm. whereas you know when somebody a guy makes it into the NBA it's like the end of their career is when they finish playing in the NBA but for the WNBA these women are like so committed to the sport that they continue to do stuff yeah also they're not making that money <laughs> well right they're not making so uh, Chicago has a WNBA team, Chicago Sky, and they are the reigning WNBA champs. They won last Ooh. summer. I know. And it was, they were my first WNBA game, and I am looking forward to going to quite a few more this year. I've been to NBA games, and I don't really like men's basketball that much. I mean, I get why it's exciting. I get that, that it's a fast-paced game, and I, I understand all that, but there was something exhilarating about watching the Chicago sky. I it's like there's um it feels like they run more plays than men's basketball. It's not like some dude that's like the best athlete on the team just running right the point guard that just like runs straight down the court and you know throws mm-hmm. it in for an easy two pointer. There seems to be like much more play development when I watch women's basketball. Again, I've only been to <laughs> one game and then watched a couple on TV, so I'm no expert. That was, like, my initial impression of the differences between women's and men's basketball. Yeah, you have to be a little bit more creative. You Most women cannot dunk. That's, like... Actually, there was one woman, I think uh, it was Lisa Leslie, and when she... I think she was the first woman to dunk in a WNBA game, and it was with, like, the... The Sparks, I think they were in L.A. Mm -hmm. And everyone went absolutely insane because it had never been done. And it's just like the height of a woman compared to the height of like probably the tallest guy in the NBA is extremely different usually. Oh, sure. So they're, you know, it's kind of rare. So you do have to be a little bit more like accurate with your shooting and your plays have to be a little bit better, I think. Yeah. I Well, again, that was my novice uh don't understand basketball perspective of it was that there was like much more playmaking and creativity to and and, like teamwork and dynamics there than with the men's and again I enjoyed it it's actually made me want to learn more about basketball and understand what a foul is and a technical foul and why they're seemingly two different things I for the first time in my life actually care to learn these components of the game so thank you chicago sky they were going to be i couldn't name you an athlete on on the sky that would be my favorite and i feel like they've had um a lot of players that aren't going to be re-signed right that they had to like let go and so i i I felt like i couldn't commit but i wanted to give a shout out to them so thank you for opening it up with the yukon ladies did i cut did you have anything else you want to say about them in general 
about UConn? Mm-hmm. Um, not really. They, I mean, they were just. I think it was 1995. They were like one of the best teams I think that UConn has had, and I was obsessed. I was obsessed, with, especially with Jennifer Rosati, because I was like, she's Italian, she's short, <laughs> that could be me, and it was like. She had an I at the end of her name. I don't really know, you know, how Italian. And they were all, like, straight-up Connecticut girls. Like, they went to high school in Connecticut. And it just was like, oh, this is, like, this could be me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So I will, for my first athlete, choose a similar path to you. The sport I played growing up was softball. So my favorite softball athlete was Jenny Finch. Have you heard of her? I don't think so, no. So she um, holds a whole ton of NCAA records. She, she was a pitcher, fast pitch softball pitcher for University of Arizona. Um, but she was also on like the women's national team and she won like, uh, I think a gold medal and a silver medal in the Olympics. I think she went to two. And then she also, it's now defunct, but there used to be a women's pro fast pitch league that was like a professional fast pitch league in the US. And she pitched uh, on the Chicago Bandits. And I remember being so excited when I moved to Chicago. I wanted to, like, go check out a game and see her pitch and just see, like, women's pro fast pitch softball. And as I said, the league is unfortunately defunct now. Um, very, very sad. I, I don't fully know the backstory. And I guess our episode's not really about the backstory of why they're defunct. But I think it goes back to women's sports don't get funding and recognition they don't get airtime on tv so it's hard for them to like develop a fan base that then goes to games and buys merchandise and yada 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 uh but why i love jenny finch is she was a phenomenal pitcher probably still is if you get her out there i don't know but she was known for she went to one of the um all-star games one year i think it may have been one that was hosted at wrigley field here in chicago and she got Albert Pujols, who was like an MLB like slugger, right? This dude could hit the ball. Uh, she convinced him to to step inside the batter's box against her, and she like she struck him out. She took him out, and I was yeah. there for it. <laughs> and you can still find that video on YouTube. Like prepping for this episode, I was like, let me go watch her strike out Albert Pujols because I'm gonna love every moment of this. What's his name? Albert? What? Let me Pujols. The click of the pen for you. It's P U J. O L S, and her name oh, is Jenny what Finch. Have, what mm-hmm. I never guessed that. Okay, yeah, I would like to see that. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. You know, here's the interesting thing about softball, and I like one. I love baseball. It is one of my favorite sports. Uh, but the r- reality is, a pitcher in baseball is on a mound, and they're throwing overhand. So the ball is always going to be released at a higher point and the batter swings at a lower point. You know if it may, you know what I'm saying? Like think of physics or whatever. Geometry, I don't know. Think of math yeah. and science. Yeah. <laughs> so, with softball though, the pitcher is not on a mound. She's on a level field and they do the windmill, so they release it at the hip and your strike zone is from your knee to your shoulder. So, if you have a pitcher releasing down here at your hip, and they're on a level ground and not the mound, they actually have what's called a rise ball in fast pitch softball. So it starts out low and rises up. And pitchers like Jenny Finch and others who 
throw great rise balls, they're extremely difficult to hit because unless you recognize that it's a rise ball coming to you, your swing is always going to be too low. And it's hard. You can always drop your hands lower as you're going through a swing. And I know I'm getting all like technical and weird here, but you can't really like lift your arms no, up. No, no, I like it. It's fascinating to yeah. me. Yeah. So anywho, I love watching. You can also look up, not just Jenny Finch, you can look up Google like softball fast pitcher uh strikes out boys there are tons of youtube videos to just go down the rabbit hole of all these like high school age middle school softball pitchers who can like strike out the best athletes at their school because unless you've ever trained to hit one of those you're not gonna do it and i just fucking revel in it revel in it yeah and i mean like i've always wondered how much harder is it to like grip a softball because i feel like when i'm watching a baseball game and I'm watching these pitchers like you know seduce this ball before they're about to throw it they're like <laughs> spitting on it they're squeezing it it looks like a it looks so like it looks so petite in their hand like the force that you know of the size I just feel like a softball mm-hmm. with my baby hands and I know these are women so they may also have not as large of hands how the hell they have the grip on this ball to throw it that fast. It's just like, what? Yeah. They, you do hold the ball. So it is, it's interesting you say that. Cause again, I won't go too deep divey nerdy into this, but if you look up, you can find online, like um, how baseball pitchers, they have like two seam, four seam fastballs and you can see how they grip it. And softball pitchers do similar grips with like a, I think most softball pitchers do a four seam fast ball grip but you're right like you have to line up your hand completely differently in order to get the little um uh what's it called anyways the grips on the ball the stitching where the stitching is and the ball is bigger so yeah and the hands are tinier it's not easy uh the other thing though i discovered when i was going down the rabbit hole on jenny finch videos was she apparently did some i guess it's called fs and sports science video where they put her against it was a collegiate baseball pitcher and they did some like you know quote unquote scientific drills one of them was to measure the force at which the ball like reaches the plate and so they had the pitcher throw it and it like you hit this glass pane which seems crazy to me but he throws it and it's like a force of 2000 something however you measure forces it's like 2000 whatever so then jenny finch goes up and does it and she shatters the glass pane and they're like uh well you broke the machine so we don't know how hard you threw it but it was hard (laughs) yeah couldn't couldn't have been harder than the last person but yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) probably above that 2000 force whatever anywho so that's my I feel like that person can probably also throw a punch, so I would not want to fuck with them. <laughs> like, eh, okay. <laughs> you mean Jenny Finch? Because I bet she could throw a punch. <laughs> yeah, like imagine like a- approaching her and getting an underhanded fucking punch to the face. It would just be deadly. <laughs> or the balls. She might just go straight in low <laughs> with it because yeah. that's what she's used to yeah. with her pitch. But yeah, she is probably deadly. Do we know what she's up to now? Is she... You know, I looked Still at her Wikipedia. In, in some kind of softballing. She does some like appearances, and I, you know, but it didn't. Her Wikipedia didn't have too too much, so 
I don't know. Hopefully yeah. she made enough money in her career and through sponsorships that she's just, you know, maybe retired on a beach somewhere talking about how she struck out Albert Pujols. <laughs> I hope her life is joyous now. I do as well. <clears throat> so who do you have? Uh, I'm sorry, you have I'm all choked list? up. <clears throat> yeah, that won't that won't be difficult for me to edit out or anything. That's that's totally cool. Just Leave it in there. It it's into fine. That mic. The finest, <laughs> the finest. Do it. Um, let's see. Who do I have next? Mia Hamm. <gasps> Good one. Before, uh, what's her name? Alex Morgan. There was Mia Hamm. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, is that she was actually born with a clubbed foot. Like she had to wear corrective oh. shoes. Yeah, she had to wear corrective shoes for her, um, I think it's her right foot, like her dominant foot as a child in order to get it to turn the proper way. So, like, the fact that she even got involved in soccer, you know, it was probably a little bit more of, like, a challenge for her to figure out the things that people were learning normally. And she was the youngest to play for uh, the U.S. team. Um, Wow. but But... one of the things I remember her doing, which was kind of like maybe like an early type of feminist thing, is that she had like a Gatorade commercial with Michael Jordan. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. it, where they um, were like vaguely. This they were like familiar. grappling or doing like Taekwondo or some kind of martial arts, and she judo slams him. Like they, she, like Gatorade <laughs> was like slam Michael Jordan, and the song that they were playing was um, "Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better." Nice. And I was like, yeah, like that was a, like a a fun memory of Mia Hamm. But she was, I mean, she was a badass on the field. Total badass. I remember, I'm like 99% sure Mia Hamm was the one who made it iconic to like run and slide and pull off your sh- jersey. I know, Or were they Thank called God. kits? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Great moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, or was it Christy Chastain? What was her name? Maybe it was her. But I feel like then somebody recently did it in, like, honor of me. Oh, man, I'm probably getting my references mixed up. It was definitely someone from, like, that mid-'90s soccer, which is why I think it's Mia Hamm that originally did it. Brandy Chastain, was that her name? And she redid it? Anywho. I'm not not sure. If it wasn't Mia Hamm, who I kind of – I kind of – Made it iconic. There's there's a word. Uh, it was, anywho, it was one of those women from the 90s soccer. And I feel like they really helped launched, launch women's soccer to where it is today. And we've got, you know. Yeah. They're better than the men's team, let's be honest. First, uh, she was the first Barbie that was um, a female athlete, I think. They made a Barbie. What? That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, first first one. I mean, was it was it probably politically correct back then? Probably not. It probably was still what Barbie is, you know what I mean? But Yeah, I'd probably did back. not actually have her body shape, which it should have, but I Yeah, Barbie's come a long way now. Thank God. Yeah, I think now Barbie can actually support her own organs. Before <laughs> Do you ever hear about that? That the uh, the OG Barbie they like uh, resized it, like re height, resized it to you know the correct height, and then based on that, the stomach size, she would not have been able to hold all of her organs in there. I'm like, that's cool. 
That's yeah, not that feels that feels psychologically right, yeah. damaging to young girls. <laughs> nope, not at all. And those bendy legs that never really bent. Terrible. Oh. Well, I'm going to keep it rolling with 90s athletes for my next one. And I'm going with Dominique Mucciano. Do you remember her? <gasps> yes. Mm-hmm. Another little tiny ta- Italian. <laughs> Actually, she's Romanian. She's Romanian? God. Yeah. See, just assume when you see a vowel at the end that she is the fam. <laughs> Yeah, her parents, I think, were Romanian immigrants, and they got her into gymnastics. So she was part of the 1996, for anyone listening who's not familiar, she's part of the Magnificent Seven, the 1996 U.S. Women's Olympic team, and they were the first U.S. team to win gold. I know now, you know, Simone Biles helps Team USA win every gold, but back in the day, Mm -hmm. that was not the case, and she was on that original team. And I just had, she, I wanted to join gymnastics because of her. I, I don't know, she was a brunette like me, and maybe that was about the end of our commonalities, but it was enough for me to be like, I want to be her when I grow up. I was also in Atlanta during those games. I was visiting my dad who lived outside of Atlanta, and it was like my dream to run into her and the Mag 7. It did not happen, sadly, but I did see like a... Uh, Eastern European block of um, like wrestlers that were there, like the the Roman Greco-Roman wrestler guys. That, yeah, okay. that was not as exciting right. to run into, but yeah, I, I definitely remember Dominique Mucciano. Uh, she did the floor. Is that most of her work? Like of her competitions were like floor exercises. I can't remember, but I feel like I just picture her tumbling for days and days and days and days. Mm-hmm. So she. Did She was known for the floor, and she did the, her floor routine to the song The Devil Went Down to Georgia, which was a really nice little nod to the Atlanta Olympics. That's, but she actually competed on yeah. all the events, and she is the one who... So I think most people remember Carrie Strug's vault at the end to win them the gold on the broken leg. So she vaulted right mm-hmm. before Carrie Strug. She was a very strong vaulter as well, to your point about being able to tumble and flip in the air. Um, and she sat both of her vaults, which was like devastating to her. She wrote a memoir, I think it was in 2012, called Off Balance. And she discloses some of the experiences of being an elite gymnast and what that's like and how the Carolis, who were the coaches at the time, were very abusive and ex- um, you know, exploitive of the athletes. And she actually had... Mm-hmm stress fractures and injuries leading up to the Olympics because they had overtrained her so much. So she was competing oh. on like injured legs in that Olympics. And I hate like and not to go on this side tangent about Carrie Strug as well, but I I hate that Carrie was forced to perform. Like how kind of sick is that that you force a girl who has a broken leg to get up and vault again? Like we mm-hmm. we kind of like idolized and worshipped her for that moment of being like so strong and you know and obviously she is amazingly strong to have done that but like it was really abusive like I look at that now and I'm like that's horrible and interestingly enough Carrie Strug and Dominique Mucciano were the two that were coached by Bella and Marta Caroli 
and mm-hmm. the other five had different coaches. And those were the two that <sighs> had injuries coming into the or had injuries either coming into the Olympics or were injured in the Olympics and forced to compete. So yeah, she was part of the I mean, people that help yeah. um, start just talking about the abuses that happen and bringing that to light. Like she used her influence to write a memoir and kind of expose some of that. Yeah, I mean, that took her, you said she, she wrote it in 2012? Yeah. So, I mean, that's quite some time to wait to, like, finally, like, say that you're comfortable enough to, like, write about it, talk about it. But they were young. Wasn't she, like, 14 or 15? She was, she was young. She like, was, I don't know she was about, the youngest um, on the team. Carrie Shrugs, but I know that Dominique Luciano seemed or looked extremely young. Yeah, she was the youngest on the team. I think she was just like barely qualifying age, like 15 or so. And Carrie was also a minor, I think. If if she was an mm-hmm. adult, she was only like 18 or 19. What's interesting yeah. is the Carolis, um were still part of Team USA's coaching for like years after the memoir came out. It wasn't until more recent sex sex allegations came out against Larry Nasser, where it also exposed how the Carolis were probably aware and like turning a blind eye that they finally were like kicked out of USA gymnastics. But it's such a shame that like she went out there and put her name on the line and talked about some of the abuse that happened and yet there was no change. It took many more athletes being abused in order for for change to happen yeah that that is the sad part that like how many more women have to speak out than they should have to like that that many have to come together for it to be okay for just one person you know but mm-hmm. i think that's changing now i would like to think like that's not people are going to be more responsive to like one complaint instead of oh we we have to wait till there's like 20 before this is like a real issue yeah i agree um one more little interesting tidbit about her so her parents had a second child that they gave up for adoption after the birth because the child Mm -hmm. was born with um missing missing legs so she doesn't have either it's a sister they actually oh it's our it's our weekly ambulance slash sirens buzzing right by uh so (laughs) anyways her sister i think looking into the adoption discovered that she was dominique Muciano's sister and they connected and uh, i think are still like close friends and have formed this relationship but her sister the one that was born without her lower limbs is an aerialist. She does like all aerial work with her arms and stuff. I'm like, man, there was something in their blood what? that they were like little athletes coming out of the womb. Yeah, something about maybe the idea of soaring through the air in some way was like part of what they wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Can't relate. I enjoy the <laughs> gravity. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my next one is um, Bethany Hamilton. Why is that not you know ringing a bell? About? No. You probably will know if I said Soul Surfer. <gasps> so, oh, yeah, yes. she was the, thir- the 13-year-old surfer that lost her arm from a shark attack. And, like, a month later, she was like, I'm getting back out there. And she became, like, a national champion. God, yeah, her story is very inspiring because... I- I mean, first off, there's, like, overcoming 
like relearning to surf without your arm because I you use your arms for balance on like a surfboard mm-hmm. right so like she had to re- essentially relearn the skill but then it's also overcoming your fear of going into the ocean where you were attacked and could have died like so whole I mean it's it's impressive on multiple levels yeah I I would have some trouble just going to the beach in general I'd just be like mm, I'm not gonna go in the water I'll go to the beach and hang out, but I guess that's where she felt her most comfort and she wasn't going to let, like, one freak accident, like, determine, like, everything that would possibly happen for her that was going to go well. But, you know, maybe that age kind of, like, takes some of your fear away where you're like, "Eh, you know, it's not so bad. I still, like, I still have another arm or something. I don't know what could go through a 13-year-old's mind. It's like, I'll go back out there in a month. Yeah, I I cannot. I mean, I know people say kids are resilient and like I get it, but there's like everyday resilience and then there's like you're attacked by a shark, but you go out into the water again a month later. That's like a different like I'm not sure I can picture myself having that level of courage. Not I. No. No. I mean, certainly not now. No, I would. <laughs> no, not even at 13. I don't think I could I could probably barely swim at 13. It wasn't a strong suit of mine. So maybe, yeah, if you had been attacked by a shark, would not have been a wise (laughs) suggestion to go back Yeah, I would have been probably dead because I would have been like, now what do I do? I cannot (laughs) swim with one arm. I couldn't swim with two. Uh, But anyway, yeah, so she's a badass. If you haven't seen the movie, check it out. You'll, You'll learn a lot about her. Mm, I may have to do it. I, I've always wanted to watch that movie and just haven't. And then it kind of fell off my radar. I have a feeling that I'll cry a bunch because I cry with very inspiring movies. And uh, I've been trying to lean toward the funny recently because I feel like the news and life has been heavy. So I want to see yeah. it, but I'm going to have to put it in my like when I'm ready to cry again list of things to watch. Maybe we'll make uh, a women's uh, women who make us cry best next series (laughs) we need something instead of being like and the oscar goes to we need like a version of the and the you know what's a female name for oscar we'll work for oscar we'll workshop it that might be a little tricky first thing that comes up is a sandra i don't know why but (laughs) and the sandra goes to (laughs) seems right with oscar somewhere i don't know Although maybe we should name it a Serena as my next athlete, maybe considered the best athlete of all time, uh, Ms. Serena Williams. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's um, well, I mean, she's been the best for a long time, I think, up until recently. Right. Maybe she was. Uh, Well, I looked up this stat for you because I don't follow tennis, but I'm like utterly impressed by her existence and her dominance. She has been. The singles number one player for 319 weeks. Do you know how long that is? 319 weeks. That's like, I don't know, seven years. It's under seven years, but it's over six years. And she's had, I think, two children. Do they have two kids like during this time? I mean. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Like, how do you juggle the both, I guess? But she's done it. I don't know. So recently at Trivia... There was a question of which Grand Slam did Serena Williams win while pregnant? And we were like, well, she's won them all. She has 23 Grand Slams. Like, 
How do you even know which one to pick? Of course she won one while pregnant. Uh, of course she how, did. How pregnant? That's How pregnant are we talking? I think it was earlier in the pregnancy. Like, she may not have yeah. even known she was pregnant or just, like, recently discovered it. Like, she wasn't nine months pregnant. Although, to be fair, nine-month pregnant Serena Williams could still absolutely kick my ass in tennis. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't... Like, when I see women that are pregnant just being active in general, I'm just like... I know how tired you probably are, but you're still out here. But was Serena Williams, like, of the two Williams sisters, the favored one to do well? Or was it Venus? I can't remember, like, who started off, like, being like, okay, you're doing really well. So Venus is older, and I do think started winning earlier. So Venus Mm -hmm. was initially, like, the more well-known of the two. Um, Again, though, I think... Part of it is there's an age difference and, you know, Venus came onto the professional scene at a, you know, earlier point than Serena did. Um, yeah. But yeah, Venus, yeah, was kind of the more well-known one to start. And then Serena's, I mean, surpassed her. But even, it's crazy because even if you were to look at Venus's stats, I mean, she's no, like, slump. She's still yeah. one of the greatest tennis athletes of all time as well. Um, it's just... Maybe in comparison to her sister, mm-hmm. not, you I, know, not yeah. the goat. I just think it's amazing that they wanted to both play so or in practice so much because, you know, at that time of, I guess, of their life and that family, I, I remember like reading about how, how tough it was for them financially, how much they mm-hmm. had to invest, how like little people wanted to bet on them so i mean it's kind of a miracle that they were able to get to where they're at with so much adversity yeah well i mean tennis is a very white person sport to me like wimbledon (laughs) i mean has there been a person of color that's ever gone to spectate or watch a game at wimbledon possibly not ever I'm sure if I yeah. looked that up, I would find no person of color has ever been there to watch a tennis match. I mean, I just don't think it's been a very welcoming sport to, I can't imagine it would be very welcoming to a black athlete, like a young kid. I'm sure the, like, no. the adversity they faced and then the financial aspect of it, because it's an expensive sport to pay for coaching and training and all that. Yeah, it's it's a lot. So I want to share with you, I don't know if you heard this, but it was uh, like four or five years ago, I think, there was this poll that found one in eight men think that they can take a point from Serena. If they were in a match against her, that they could take a point from her. Really? (laughs) One in eight men. Just your average dude straight off the couch thinks he could take a point off of Serena. So Cool. (laughs) <laughs> cool no, not accurate but cool <laughs> yeah yeah it's so do you uh do you know dude perfect i think that's what they're called yeah dude perfect they're like a no, group no. of i think there's five of them they're considered a comedy sport group they make youtube videos and these they do like a lot of trick shots so like basketball trick shots or soccer trick shots they do a lot of that sort of thing and these would be your above average men. Like if we were to take all the men in the United States, these guys who do trick shots and are like in their 20s or maybe 30s at this point are like above average athletes. So they uh, they did a video with Serena Williams. 
mm-hmm. and she serves to them no one could hit her no one could return the serve at one point they get all five of them out there and they're basically standing like shoulder to shoulder and she serves and they manage to get one back across the court with five of them they manage to get one ball hit and it's so poorly returned that serena charges it and (laughs) pegs the guy in the butt Oh god! It's so like I, yeah, I could have watched hours of it. I wonder if she thought this is like absolutely ridiculous, or if it just was like some kind of gratification. I would enjoy that if I had the capability of like just facing five dudes across and just you know dominating and just watching them embarrass themselves. I would love it. Absolutely, and don't get me wrong. I think as as much as Dude Perfect does all these crazy trick shots, like they were not going into this thinking that they would do well against her. They were like, she's the greatest like tennis athlete oh, in the yeah, world. Yeah, like yeah. they they knew that they were gonna Yeah. Suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was she the one who like challenged the outfit as well? Like was she I I feel like I remember there being like some kind of like backlash about her not wearing like a skirt or something she was wearing like there was someone who did that and i can't remember like if athletic it was like capri or... style or something and they were like no like that's not what you wear and or was it like or was it like the showing of like i don't know something strange about like the how they didn't appreciate like her choice of outfit that does sound familiar and i and it might have been her i don't remember the specifics of it though but you're right there is something there although speaking of clothing it does make me i want to give a little shout out to her husband he has a shirt that says best female athlete and a picture of her and then he has the word female crossed out so that it's just like best athlete or maybe it says greatest athlete Mm -hmm. either way i'm like "Mm, i see you you're a good husband yeah yeah why do we have to say that you know, it's because we're female. It's just because we are good. Right. Damn period. It. No good husband. Yes. No qualifiers. What do you got next? Or who do you have next? I have Allison Felix, who is a, an Olympic runner. I think she's a sprinter. Um, yes. And she got, I think, 12 gold medals. And I think the one that she got for her record-breaking one, she she. She had just had a baby like 10 months ago and like had a C-section and she became like a big, like, she became a big advocate for like athletes that also were moms, you know, like kind of like showing that, you know, you can balance it, but like women in sports don't get that same like treatment that they would in any other company if they're on maternity leave, so she kind of pushed her sponsorship Nike to um, lengthen or loosen or something the maternity leave and like provide like paid leave and you know not put like their career in jeopardy and not like mm-hmm. paint them in an incapable way. So Nike kind of started like I guess, embracing that more and like being more proud of women and families and you know considering Mm -hmm. their feelings more yeah because didn't didn't they initially drop her as an athlete when she was pregnant drop her contract or if it wasn't her it was somebody else and then when she became pregnant she used like her influence to be like that's really messed up that you're dropping 
women like for becoming pregnant from sponsorship yeah i don't know that part i didn't check that far back but maybe yeah i can see that because i mean she was like definitely fighting for moms and she made it very clear that she was like we've been through enough shit like we've had to have a baby we've had to leave our baby you know and we didn't get the time and we had to worry about coming back to work because we're going to lose our sponsorships because you know somebody who's not pregnant or somebody who doesn't want kids is going to take over and it's not really fair because I should be able to have the same rights as a male athlete who can like bring his children onto the field and like make all that cutesy stuff where they just kind of want the time to be a mom for a little while (laughs) right or like let their bodies recover from you know Mm -hmm. I don't know carrying a child giving birth to a child perhaps feeding a child (laughs) yeah that's and you know sounds a little tough on the body i'd you know props to the women who can who can still like serve of whatever uh what is it what do you call it a grand slam or something (laughs) uh you know uh throw a basket is that the term (laughs) what were you just saying about serena williams She's got a bunch of Grand Slam titles, and she can serve very well. She's one of the greatest yeah, servers ever. Didn't you say something about her serving when she was pregnant? Oh, and that she won a Grand Slam, you're right, when she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's admirable, but definitely once you have that baby, like, oh, you should be allowed to have some time. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know, it seems crazy to me that we can't like seem to understand how childbirth and the effects it takes on women is still not understood in 2022 it's just mind-boggling uh, absolutely mind-boggling um, yeah but I, I do feel like it's true like that you'll see like a female athlete and you don't hear much about like her family or kids and blah 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 where you know you know like even though Tom Brady retired for his kids and then just was like I'm done with you guys after a month <laughs> Um, we had to hear about Tom Brady's kids like 7,000 times every season. You know, it just, he was, you know, it's just different and it's not equal in my opinion. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Uh, so <laughs> segueing to my next athlete, uh, Katie Ledecky, another Olympian. Do you know her? Her name sounds familiar. Was she, uh, Ledecky, what? I'm trying to guess what sport it is. Mm. I don't know. Tell me. I don't want to. She's, I don't want to insult her. <laughs> she does swimming, specifically really swimming. the freestyle. She's like a long distance freestyle uh, swimmer. So she has the world record. I think I looked it up to make sure she's. I knew she had in the 1500 meter, but she also holds it in the 400 and 800 meter. So basically, the longer you swim, the more Katie Ledecky is going to beat your ass um <laughs> when she broke the 1500 meter record it was like it had been standing for 31 years i think it was a really long time when she broke it oh my god and then when she won that distance in rio the person who got silver was 22 seconds behind her so like oh and that's that's a lot yeah, in swimming you if you go watch the coverage you know how like it's the camera and it's like panning back and forth through the pool 
and like you know following the athletes as they swim it's like they're following Katie Ledecky and like everyone else falls off the view of the camera because she's so far ahead they can't get everyone else in the shot they're like sorry but we just have to keep following Katie and we'll see you guys in a couple minutes (laughs) she's like out of the pool and like wrapped herself in a towel and she's like already like you know drying her hair off getting ready for the podium (laughs) (laughs) well i remember watching her and thinking like man she could have like a what's it called a muscle cramp and like stretch it out in the pool and still probably beat everybody by the time she stretched it out like that's just insane maybe that's how she prepared like wanted to allow herself for a good stretch she was like i want to make sure if i need to take a break i'm good she just like dives down to the bottom of the pool and like <laughs> waves to one of the cameras down there back up <laughs> but she's just so she's got this smile that is like it just radiates such happiness she clearly loves swimming in the sport i've also seen her lose some races though and she's like the most gracious loser there's just something about her that warms my heart to see her she's she's obviously playing or participating in a sport that she cares about so much and it's just fun to watch was this years ago that she won these or is this recent you said rio so well that was when she had like the uh like the biggest margin of win but she was in the what was the last one is it the beijing what was the last summer olympics i think it was beijing because you know with covid i think they were like oh no it was in tokyo that's what it was yeah yeah yeah. summer because beijing was the winter olympics recently so she was in the tokyo olympics as well um so she's she's still relatively young like i i'm not sure if she's committed to the next olympics yet or not but like she absolutely is young enough and still competitive enough that she could do the next olympics and probably take home some additional medals if she wanted to i mean i hope so so katie if you're listening please please do another olympics for me (laughs) Dare I say it? Just keep swimming, Katie. <laughs> oh, that was good. Sorry. Oh man, that was really good. It's <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my dad joke of the day. Sorry. Do you have any other? But yeah, I was just making the observation that we know a lot of probably older legends, and like that maybe I need to tap more into the market of newer athletes because I'm not paying as much attention as I did when I was younger for some reason maybe like i've stopped training my attention to sports and maybe it's time for me to kind of support these new ladies you know one thing i realized that's that's kind of a shame when i was going through my list of women athletes is how many of them are olympians and that outside of that four years where they Mm -hmm. compete i don't get to see them i mean i know serena williams tennis yes you see you can see her regularly um, you know, Mia Hamm, obviously you could have watched the U.S. women's soccer team pretty regularly, but a lot of these women and these sports in general get like no coverage between Olympic games. And it's kind of, it's really sad. I mean, even like the WNBA, which is, I feel like getting a little more popularity, it's still not mm-hmm. easy to watch those games or to catch those games. It's not like they're broadcast on ESPN or ABC or NBC. So like, you really have to seek out ways to find women athletes. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. a shame, but. 
Anywho. Especially the WNBA. WNBA can't even get a, a team in every state. It's like, ugh. you have to like go to a different state to see a WNBA game in Florida, I believe. Mm, I'm sorry. Come That's to okay. Chicago come, and watch the Sky I, Game with me. I'm coming to Chicago and watch some WNBA. Um, do you have any more athletes other than Amanda Kling? Again, <laughs> sorry, we didn't mean to use your maiden name there. <laughs> Ultra um, runner. I have one non-famous athlete left, but I wanted to uh, see if you had anyone else left before I mentioned her. No, that's it. Unfortunately, I spend most of my time just like fantasizing over the UConn team again. So <laughs> I get it. I went down the Jenny Finch rabbit hole. Like, let me watch her strike out everyone. Are there any more videos? Give it to me. It's like <laughs> dra- uh, drugs straight to the vein over here. Um, <laughs> well, my last favorite athlete is my friend Molly. So, as you may know, when I moved to Chicago, a way to meet friends was to join some softball leagues here in the city. And there are, I think, at least, like, one all-women's league, but it only plays, like, one day a week, you know, limited. So, for the most part, you join co-ed teams. And I have played co-ed softball for probably 10-ish years in Chicago, and I've played on dozens of teams, and I've watched hundreds of teams play and in all that time I've seen maybe five women shortstops maybe and Molly is the shortstop on our team she was a collegiate shortstop and she is I think maybe the best shortstop I've ever seen in Chicago co-ed and I love when new teams that don't know us see molly there and they try to hit it to her because they're like oh this will be easy and they are destroyed she eats up anything that comes to her uh i mean like oh i feel like we're running out of time here and i can't go on forever but she is fucking phenomenal and what i will say is the men on our team have been very supportive of her but when she first joined the team she disclosed that she played collegiate softball and played shortstop and no one man or woman on our team played collegiate level we're all like high school level was the highest we got and yet it Mm -hmm. still took a couple of weeks before we're like maybe we should try molly at short (laughs) and that was her position in college that was her position yes shortstop yeah in college and we have men on the team you know no offense they peaked in high school Love them. Oh, yeah. But like yeah, as is most co ed athletes, you peak in high school and then you like go on and play some, you know, intramural sports and it's fun and yeah. But she's phenomenal. Yeah, short stop, short stop is the I mean, I don't know too much, but I know that that's where most of the activity happens. So you gotta be pretty quick on your feet. Yeah. Between people running between second and third, and that seems to be the place where the ball is being hit the most and yeah. Seems like a great place to get hit in the face, which I would definitely avoid. I'm an outfield girl, so I give you all the props, Molly. <laughs> all the props. Very well deserved. Well, uh, on that note, have a good rest of your day yeah. and we'll catch you next week. See ya.